This is Your Working Life, a podcast with tools and inspiration to help you enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I welcome Sylvia Ann Hewlett to the show. Sylvia, welcome. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, I love your podcast, uh, as do many people. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Sylvia. That's so great to hear. And we're going to dive into a wonderful conversation about how leaders can become better when they invest in others. Now, the premise of your book is about sponsorship, but let's start from a baseline because so many of our listeners around the world have heard of sponsorship, they've heard of mentorship, but they might not understand the nuance and the difference. Can you please explain that difference? Absolutely. You know, mentorship, uh, in a sense, is very simply a gift. Uh, It's a somewhat more experienced professional Lending, giving, advice, guidance, uh, a shoulder to lean on, it's full of kindness and it's kind of paying it forward. It's also oftentimes a one-way street. It's the senior person, you know, really helping out a younger person. Sponsorship, on the other hand, is quite different. Uh, It is a very deliberate investment. It's not a gift. (laughs) Uh, The younger person needs to contribute real value. It's a two-way street. It's highly reciprocal. And, you know, very simply, uh, the definition is a uh, an established or rising leader identifying uh, an outstanding younger talent and very deliberately developing this younger person's career, but in return, reaping significant rewards. You know, I'm so pleased that you were very clear in the commitment factor from both the sponsor and the protege. And it's an earned relationship. Would you agree? It, it, it is not something that is entered into lightly. Absolutely. I just think of what the sponsor is doing. And in the data, and there's lots of data here, there are three things that really distinguish sponsorship. The leader both uh understands the value of this younger person and is willing to take a bet on them, you know, use up some political capital. Secondly, uh, this more senior person is advocating, oftentimes behind closed doors, you know, rooms where the protege is not present. And then thirdly, and this is the last kind of big thing, uh, the senior person has the back of the younger person so they can take some risks. Uh, I mean, oftentimes in um, data, we see that, you know, particularly women and people of color are a little more risk adverse than white guys. Uh, But I find in my data is that they're merely not suicidal. (laughs) Because if a a more junior woman or a, um, a person of color doesn't have a sponsor, it makes no sense to make a big risk at work because, you know, if you fail, you'll get fired because there's no one, you know, who has a senior spot who has your back. So sponsorship is really um, this belief and a willingness to take a bet on a younger person and obviously uh, to take that kind of uh, risky bet, uh, the younger person has to prove themselves. And threading through this book is the notion that the younger talent has to give before they get. In other yeah. words, you have to contribute performance, yeah, trustworthiness, and a whole value add before this senior person really can fully commit. Because, you know, you're walking around uh, with their brand on your forehead. 
And if you mess up, you know, there's egg on both your faces. So this is something that is organic and it's grown uh, reciprocally through time. It, it truly is an, an awesome, in the true sense of the word, responsibility for both entities. Sylvia, one of the things that I really appreciate about your book is a fresh approach to sponsorship in that we're thinking about how to become a better leader by investing each in each other. So for example, um, and that is the subtitle of your book, what, what are the payoffs for the sponsors in these relationships? Well, here's the magic because unlike mentorship, which was, you know, sometimes, you know, time consuming and you were basically just being a, a good citizen, <laughs> there is for the sponsor significant payoff. We find that, uh, a middle-level manager, for instance, who very deliberately invests in one or two younger, outstanding people, he or she himself or herself will have the 53% better chance of getting to the next rung in the ladder. And in a sense, when you think about it, it, it makes sense because you are cultivating younger talent that are delivering like crazy for you, right? They're hitting the numbers, they're showing great trustworthiness, they're burnishing your brand. And they're bringing that value add to the table. I mean, many of the examples I use in the book uh, really are about crossing lines of difference. Uh, Lou Avisano, for instance, at Ogilvy, uh, the CEO of um, Ogilvy in the Americas, he knew a couple of years ago that he desperately needed outstanding millennials to help him shift the business model in the advertising industry, which has had hard times recently. So he went to the Young Professionals Network, identified about 12 uh, outstanding people and worked with them intensively for three months on uh, brainstorming around a strategic plan. Out of that group, two uh, fantastic, you know, 31-year-olds emerged who have become the protégés of Lou. And together, they are transforming uh, the way forward for this company. Uh, and that is, you know, a very good example. You kind of test people out. You uh, understand over a few weeks, a month, you know, perhaps even a year that uh, he or she is the real deal. And then they really uh, can uh, come to the table with enormous value and you drive business together. I'm grateful for the story that you shared about Lou, and it's important to note that you believe that the sponsor must really identify the right protege. So walk us through that process, because I imagine there are ambitious and, and well-deserving aspiring leaders, emerging leaders who might try to seek out a sponsor, but, but you have a different philosophy. Tell us about that. I do. You know, sponsorship's been around since the Stone Age, right? You know, uh, leaders tap younger people on the shoulder and they pass the baton of influence and power and, you know, title. What I do in this book is make what the old boys club has been doing for donkey's years more transparent, more real, because quite frankly, you've got to be more deliberate if you want to cross lines of difference. I show the enormous success a senior Caucasian man, for instance, derives when 
he uh, deliberately sponsors a woman, those gender smarts, you know, enormously valuable in tapping into new marketplaces, etc. But I showcase it in all kinds of dimensions of difference. And of course, globally, it is very powerful too. Um, I'll give you another example. Uh, a power pair I talk about in this book, Ataka Tiajarigan, the CEO of Genpak, and his protege, Katie Stein, uh, his new uh, chief strategic officer. So what he was looking for when he identified Katie was someone who would bring a different muscle to the leadership table of his uh, C-suite. He said, look, uh, there were almost too many alpha men uh, in the leadership conversation. He needed someone who didn't just strut her stuff, uh, but was more reflective, uh, more consensual, uh, and had chops, obviously needed to have extraordinary credentials and poise, and Katie certainly spent a whole lot of time at BCG and Merc uh, Mercer, so really knew what she was doing. But he was looking for a different leadership muscle as they looked forward as a mature company, you know, plotting the next 10 years. But it was also important to him that he had a, uh, a role model at the top of uh, the executive team who was a woman because they were expanding very fast uh, in Romania and other parts of uh, Eastern Europe. And he said, look, we wanted to become an employer of choice for all those wonderful female technologists in Eastern Europe. And we know uh, that, you know, you can't be what you can't see. <laughs> And therefore, we needed to up our game and get many more women at the top of the house who could lead the charge in terms of, you know, creating um, a real acceleration of women to the top of the company. Katie has really paid off in both those ways, you know, being uh, a beacon for women, but uh, more importantly, from uh, Tiger's point of view, bringing this different muscle uh, to lead leadership conversations. Sylvia, I love the the phrase, you can't be what you can't see. That really encapsulates it so beautifully. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. So, Sylvia, it is fascinating to hear how the sponsor side of, of this equation can look for protege talent. Now, you mentioned some beautiful stories about how leaders have identified extraordinary proteges. Is it important to make it official, to set up some ground rules or a contract, or is that just implied? Walk us through that, because what makes your book so unique and distinguishable is that it's a roadmap to this process, and I'm grateful for that. Well, at the center of this book is my seven steps of investment. It's a playbook for leaders. And, you know, everything begins with an I because it is investing in fabulous younger talent. 
So you have to identify, um, you have to include, meaning you've got to cross these lines of difference. You have to inspire, you have to instruct, uh, you have to, uh, you know, inspect and evaluate your pick because, you know, six uh, months into this, you've got to make sure that this person uh, is really coming through and not, you know, bad-mouthing the team on social media or not hitting the numbers. I mean, evaluation is very important. And then you can plunge in and instigate an actual deal and invest uh, three ways, capital, clout, and cover. Now, obviously, the thing I keep on saying and demonstrating through the narratives, through the voices from, you know, 43 different sectors is the value you are deriving along the way. Uh, you know, you don't have to wait until all seven steps are completed uh, before both partners in this alliance, right, are really deriving a great deal of value. Uh, let's just take um, an example. If the protege understands they've got to deliver like crazy uh, on, you know, both the performance front, but on also on the trustworthiness front, it can be kind of uh, uh, a game changer. I'll give an example of the payout uh, that starts happening almost immediately. One thing a protege has to deliver from the get-go to earn sponsorship is performance and trustworthiness. Now, in the example, I want to use it, and it's set at Blizzard Entertainment, which is a gaming company, actually one of the most um, successful in the world. I described an example of uh, a more senior leader, someone called Carolyn Sofer, and her protege, Lydia Bodegoni. Lydia had this dream of getting into the media sector. She was actually originally a junior executive at Citi. She was a, you know, a financial analyst. She did her bachelor's degree in economics. <laughs> but she always wanted to make this crossover to uh, narrative and to film and to media. She impressed the heck out of this rather senior executive, Carolyn, who was at the time at uh, Disney. And Carolyn said, look, come join my team. I have this, you know, very entry-level position, but it will be a way of getting your foot in the door. So Lydia turned up, you know, thrilled to pieces at this opportunity, and she almost broke her back. She worked so hard to prove that she earned her place in this new industry. Uh, not only was she going to night school and then getting all the qualifications, but for instance, she said, I even did the Friday night run. And the Friday night run was at the end of the week. This was just before everything went digital. Uh, the film had to be broken down. It had to be put in cans. And someone had to drive it to a really pretty dodgy piece of L.A. to drop it off at the lab. This was at 1030 at night. It was the least popular task of the week. But Lydia put her hand up for it for eight months because she felt that she had um, – she owed it to her sponsor for giving her this, you know, unusual opportunity to cross over fields. And this was just the beginning of the enormous uh, success they made out of their reciprocal and both of them adding enormous value to, you know, what they did. 
And, you know, Lydia today is the number three person at uh, Blizzard Entertainment. But what I show is the, uh, the extraordinary, um, I guess, uh, energy and effort. You know, the both uh, the sponsor and the protege are put into this relationship. And on average, these relationships last six years. You know, this is not a flash in the pan. This is something which um, rides on deep respect for one another and obviously uh, deep value, which is both given and received. It is a true investment. Sylvia, I understand the notion of the uh, more mature sponsor sharing their gifts and, and um the mutual relationship of a younger protege helping them identify capital clout and cover. I love those, those three particular ways. Are there off norm examples where there might be a peer, someone more generationally close to the leader for whom they can serve as a sponsor? Or do you really see that uh, older to younger relationship as part of this impact? I have examples of a more junior person who happens to be older than the sponsor that, you know, certainly happens. Uh, and I play out the uh, extraordinary, um, you know, reciprocal investments. It was between a 45-year-old, uh, you know, senior uh, female in the tech sector and an older African-American woman who was also in the tech sector, but in sales and not in the, you know, the hard technology piece of the business with tremendous um, experience, but a rather zigzag career because she had been a single mother, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, was at some point, you know, young children, but it's a fabulous example because, uh, you know, the senior person uh, isn't always older these days, uh, particularly if you're crossing lines of difference. One thing I do want to stress is that the um, contribution of someone who is diverse uh, is very special these days. Uh, uh, one uh, amazing example, which is also quite global, was a relationship of sponsorship that I followed at EY. In this particular case, a um, very senior uh, tax executive. Uh, I think she was running the whole Northeastern area for uh, EY at the time, someone called, called Kate Barton, was super impressed by a young Chinese woman called Zhuo Zhang. She had come to EY in her mid-20s, having done both her undergraduate and her graduate degrees in China. She was a marketing genius with a uh, a fierce uh, ability to um, impress, but also do the analytics that made uh, clinching a deal incredibly easy for her. But her English was very poor because her second language had been Russian. You know, she had gone all the way through the Chinese system. So Kate, recognizing uh, that this was a kind of diamond in the rough uh, a little bit in terms of presentation of herself, decided to go out on a limb and invest in her. And what she did was persuade the firm to give Zhuo one-on-one English lessons. And Kate herself put a lot of effort into training her in terms of presentation skills. Fast forward a few years later, uh, 
an opportunity opened up at EY. They wanted to start something called KIME, which was the Chinese Overseas Investors Network. And Kate thought to herself, well, you know, if anyone was super qualified for this and would nail it, it was Joao, because she had the fierceness, the entrepreneurial smarts, and now a track record at EY. But the other thing she brought to the table was an amazing network because she had done an MBA in China, right? So she knew a lot of potential clients. So within a couple of years, this was a $100 million business for EY, which Joao still leads. And it's a very great example, I think, of uh, the two-way street that I was talking about. I mean, obviously, uh, Kate went out of her way to um, create um, the possibility of success for Joao. But she took a bet on her stunning uh, kind of uh, obvious, uh, you know, talent. And uh, and Joao brought to the table things that Kate couldn't, um, you know, pony up in a month of Sundays because, you know, she certainly didn't have those global uh, connections or, or the, the Chinese network that allowed this uh, new venture to be successful. And it's become a legacy play for both of them. Truly. I mean, it was indeed a return on investment in every sense of the word. Sylvia, as we wrap up, I I think it's important to mention that in the book, you talk about sponsor relationships in the era of Me Too. So tell me more about that. Very simply, um, I know from my data, and there's a great deal of data uh, in this book, that about 40% of uh, senior leaders and uh, an equivalent number of particularly uh, more junior women who are newly um, nervous uh, about um, self-consciously cultivating these sponsorship relationships because everyone knows that you need to get to know each other very well. So how do you do that? So I really play out very um, self-consciously how to make it safe. Uh, For instance, you know, whether it's Freddie Mac or uh, Fox News, uh, all kinds of hands-on advice in terms of, you know, over breakfast in the cafeteria, uh, being very noisy about the qualifications and the impressive strengths of your protégés. Make it, you know, out there in the public eye. Uh, This is not something that should be kept under wraps or somehow, you know, uh, a secretive thing. And whether you call it um, just a colleague you're incredibly impressed by or you actually call this person your protege or your mentee, I mean, you can call it anything you like, but the idea is to be quite transparent and quite noisy about it (laughs) so that everyone understands uh, that this is a business-driven alliance that is going to really pay off for the individuals, for the team, and for the company. And I I love it when, you know, one gets into the concreteness of the tactics that really make it safe. Sylvia, I learned so much from you today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and expertise on the podcast. I want to tell our global listeners about your book. The title is The Sponsor Effect, How to Be a Better Leader by Investing in Others. And of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. Sylvia, thank you so much for being with me today. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Thanks. 
And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review because this helps people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for us to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show incredible for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thank you for listening.